0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the BitVault podcast. And today I'm with my buddy Leron, and he's a fellow Bitcoiner. What's up, buddy?
1: What's up? What's up? Hi, everybody. How's everyone
0: doing? Dude, I love your shirt.
1: It's oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Where did you get that? Actually, saw um, some some Bitcoiner on Twitter. Uh, like he was wearing it, and I was like, "Where did you get it?" And he tweeted it. I don't remember the shop, but I just clicked it and bought it right
0: dude that's not like
1: the greatest quality t-shirt but the message
0: the the message is great exactly Uh, who cares about the quality bro it's all about the message um so for anyone just listening to the audio version his his shirt says craig wright is a fraud and i think it's an awesome shirt so Um, I, i like
1: if anything if i find anything interesting twitter like or bitcoin related like i like to buy it if i can like you know i don't have too many things but another thing i have with me is um got a little tweet mug and it's got, I don't know if it's
0: say, what, is, what does it say? What does it's, it say? It's uh,
1: Hal Finney, and it says uh, running Bitcoin. So it's
0: just... Oh, that's epic, man.
1: 2009, you know, January 11th. So I think that's, that's fucking cool.
0: R.I.P. Hal, you're a legend, man. <laughs> we'll remember you. But, dude, so let me ask you something, dude. What do you do? Uh, what do you do? That's the first thing. Like, what's your background? And then the second question is, when did you first get into Bitcoin?
1: So what do I do? I'm currently a software developer. I've done a lot of things uh, throughout my life. Um, I didn't go to school for software development. uh, I've kind of messed with it since I was a kid. Uh, So yeah, that's what I do. I do um, all sorts of, I'm a full stack developer. I can do front end, back end, mostly web, but um, do a little bit of everything. Not much mobile apps, uh, but that's something that I'm looking to uh, get into more. Um, And Bitcoin, Bitcoin, I I have an interesting relationship with Bitcoin. Um, I first heard about it. Um, IRC, don't remember the exact year, but this is before anyone was even talking about it. I don't know if this is before... I guess it would have had to been right when Mt. Gox started going on um, because people had to have gotten them other than mining, but people were mostly CPU mining them and GPU mining them at the time. And I heard about them through like an internet IRC troll that was going on this IRC channel that I used to go on or I still go on, a little small private server, and he is just... a a troll he's a he's a troll so you can't really trust anything he says and everything that he says is just crazy and he was actually using it at the time for like buying drugs and gambling and then uh one of the things that got our attention was he he was using it to ddos our server (laughs) like he was buying like little botnets on the dark (laughs) web that's that's pretty fucking cool dude and like so i heard about it um i didn't really look much into it because it was just like it was just like funny troll internet money like, you know, it's fucking, fucking Bitcoin, even the name at the time. Like, now that I'm used to it, the name doesn't sound funny. But at the time, I remember thinking about it. I'm like, this is the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. To be Like, that's just what I thought at the time. Uh, didn't really look at the technology of it or anything. And then I heard about it again, I think it was, like, a couple years later. I just kept, like, seeing it here and there on the internet, just on IRC and different things. And I was like, all right, let me look into it. And I looked into the, uh, you know, the white paper and, and whatnot. And it was just very technologically interesting. I hadn't really thought of any of the economical stuff that goes with it, but it was just very technologically interesting. Just the way that you build this time chain and, you know, cryptographically, uh, cryptographically uh, validate it and have the mining going on and all these different incentive structures. And I thought it was I thought it was really cool. So technologically, I got into it. I thought it was really cool, but I didn't really think of like, oh, shit, maybe I should buy a bunch of these because it's scarce. Um, you know, I didn't.
0: Yeah. So the reason that I, the reason that I asked you that question, it's, it's like, it's basically, I kind of want to understand kind of like your psychology, right? Because I I talked to many Bitcoiners from all walks of life, man. And the interesting, uh, and I, and I was talking to KIS Bitcoin, keep it simple. Bitcoin he makes the the tutorial videos for cold card. And we got into this very, we, we really went deep down the rabbit hole and we and we are basically talking about how Bitcoin attracts different people at different moments in time. So, when you mentioned you first initially ran into Bitcoin, it was really interesting because you did exactly what I did, right? Initially, we first saw it. I, I when I first ran into Bitcoin, I was using it, I wasn't holding it, I wasn't like establishing my financial sovereignty, it was just to transact with it oh, yeah and then a you year see, later,
1: I, I was buying i was buying usenet uh, subscriptions to it so i can download pirate fucking you know videos and whatever i want from usenets and i was using bitcoin to buy those accounts and, exactly you know it was i but i was never holding any of it and it was just by mistake that i started holding it because it just started getting more valuable so i needed to buy less of it and i would always buy it in like blocks i'd buy like 50 bucks worth 50 bucks worth 50 bucks worth and eventually i was like wait i have like some change here and it's starting to go up rather than go down and it was kind of weird and that's when i started thinking about buying some
0: so what like really putting in money so what so what year was
1: this so okay so yeah it was so this is kind of like an interesting time in my life because i wasn't working in software at the time i was actually uh working i was living in new york and i was working for a hedge fund and mm-hmm. i was fucking broke i was like i was at the end of my rope. like you know it's the hedge fund was just not working out As we had intended. And it was just running, you know, running the end of it. So I was like, all right, I need to move back to Florida and figure out what I want to do. And I wanted to get into Bitcoin. But I. What year was this? This was, I want to say this was 2014, probably. 2014. probably say it's
0: 2014. So you first bought your first Bitcoin in 2014.
1: Is that correct to say? I think it might have been around. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know if I actually bought it at the time, but I knew I wanted to get into it. I don't know. It's a good question when I first bought my first Bitcoin. I could probably look back at like, so, you know, the first Bitcoin I bought was from Coinbase. So whenever Coinbase launched and was fairly new, this was Mm. like before anything got really big. And there was only Bitcoin on Coinbase. There wasn't even, I don't think, Litecoin that on there Uh, maybe there was this was like a really long time ago but if anything it was just bitcoin and Litecoin at the worst Um, so let me ask you
0: something leron so it's very interesting that you came that you come from the software development side because um, the reason i say that is like how different and, and and kind of describe it to people that don't come from the software development side how different is the bitcoin infrastructure back then when you first got involved cuz i remember uh, when you first got involved how how much more developed is it today
1: oh there's so many more things like back then it was really just like running the node you know the bitcoin core node and that was really all that there was i don't think there were any other implementations or i didn't even look at to see if there were any other other implementations but you run the bitcoin core log. Um, at the time I think this was actually the only time in my life for a short period of time that I was using Windows computer. Because Usually I was on you know, Linux and stuff like that, and I wasn't, remember, so I wasn't a software developer yet. I was getting back into the state. So I still have my, you know, my Windows computer, and that's what I was running um, you know, Bitcoin core on and whatever. It was, I mean, it worked. You know, you just, you, you opened it. There wasn't, the, the initial block download, I remember, took a little bit, but it was still new, so it wasn't that long. It wasn't like it is today. Um, even though it's gotten better recently, so I've resynced my uh, my node recently, and I've noticed that it has gotten significantly faster.
0: So is- I kind of want to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, so the so I don't you probably know this, uh, but my node uses like it uses some type of software so that the node will sync faster. Uh,
1: do you know? Do you know what? I know didn't what I'm talking look at about? what they what they use. No. Uh, I'd be interested to to research that a little bit. I didn't know that they do anything because right now you don't have a lot of options to sync faster if you want. You know, you could use the. Uh, I know that they used to do this. I don't know if they do it anymore. I don't think so. They used to have like a torrent with the bit. Uh, you know, the bootstrap dot dat that you can get, and you can uh, you know download off of that. So that would you, know, you would just download this big dat file, and then it would you know kind of. Take it from there and revalidate that would make it a
0: little bit so i have a question like why you know like i feel like when people use bitcoin like for example our buddy isaac right they don't feel like they just use a lightweight wallet right and a lightweight wallet for anyone you know listening or hearing is is basically like it's a wallet that doesn't have the whole you don't have a copy of the blockchain right so you're not comparing it to your copy of the blockchain why is it important to have a full node in your but words
1: for, for me i think it's important to have a full node because it's 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 sort of the purpose of bitcoin and it's actually what got me attracted to bitcoin the most before the sound money aspect of it before i really even thought of the sound money aspect it's the idea of you know self sovereignty over your own data so i had been even before this i've been obsessed with the idea of you know just having you know self sovereignty over your data i hated the fact that like facebook and and you know Instagram and all these companies, the way that they were structured and the way they were replicating all these like you know, baby pictures, like why do we need data centers running all these freaking baby pictures when like five people are going to view them? I just thought it was really silly, and I thought the idea of us just handing over data the way that we were was terrible. Um, so when Bitcoin came along and I was like, wait, they they just really took the power away from a financial institution or from any institution and gave it back to the user. I thought that was you know revolutionary, and that's what made Bitcoin revolutionary. I think for most people.
0: Absolutely. So, so what you're saying is basically like a lightweight client you're relying on a on a data center, on someone else's node, and with your own node you're relying on your own data to see whether you do have that amount in those particular yes. addresses. Is that correct? But I
1: do think that there's I think I think there's with everything, you know, I don't think it's black and white. I think there's levels of trust, levels of centralization and things like that um that you can You can work with so I think light clients are great. I think we need to do more research into light clients to make them almost fully decentralized and you know trustless. And they actually recently um, merged some stuff into Bitcoin Core with uh, you know client-side block filters, which makes things uh, a lot better for light clients. So what
0: what is that? What is a client sized block filter?
1: So in the previous uh, ways that you know in the original uh, simple verification client and light client that. Bitcoin had, you know, designed like with the old Bitcoin, and it's still in there, you would kind of just request um, these block headers from nodes. You would re, request, you'd, you'd build a simple kind of uh, state of the chain that you could verify yourself by requesting information from the nodes. But the problem is when you would do this, you would give the nodes information about yourself. Because you're requesting stuff about specific, you know, wallets and specific things like that. So they can deduce, oh, this person is this wallet. And so they, it comes with, you know, privacy issues. And um, I think there's also some Byzantine type of issues where you can get, you know, they can just give you a bunch of fake data and you don't really know. Um, so there's a couple of issues with it. And there were also, it was a lot more data. So there was compressed uh, client-side filters, which allowed you to kind of take a bunch of data about the blockchain. It's kind of like you're doing an initial sync. Um, and then you're using that to request specific things, and it, it keeps it a lot more uh, private. I don't remember exactly all the specifics, and you know, this isn't you know a very technical podcast, so we don't need to really get into it. But the idea is, you can download, you know, few hundred. I think it's really to get everything, everything. I think it's like four gigabytes worth of data, and you have pretty much the ability to reconstruct whatever you'd like.
0: Um, so, so so, I can kind of wrap my head around this. Compared to the regular, the regular total Bitcoin blockchain, I think right now it's 333 gigabytes. Yep. So compare that to 4 gigabytes, that's definitely lightweight. But my question to you is like, so I'm just gonna, kind of using an analogy um, so that you could understand. So Electrum Wallet, right, which is an open source wallet from Electrum.org, it's very popular. What it does, if you don't connect it to your own uh, your own node, right? It go it connects to one particular node, and it tells that node, go check out these addresses, right? And then that node can make the assumption that you own them, right? And then what it does is it compares the 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 block the blockchain to ten other nodes to make sure that the 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 data that you're getting from that node is legit, right? Sure. So how would it differ to what you're saying?
1: So I, I don't know the exact, you know, um, implementation of Electrum. And I don't know, if, you know, I know the, the concept of the client-side filtering and the compressed client-side filtering, but, I, you know, I don't know the, exactly how it would validate, you know, that you're getting the right data and things like that. But I do know that um, it's offering you, so right now, Wasabi Wallet uses this, but the problem okay. is, is, you know, Wasabi Wallet, so it does the same thing. It connects to the network it goes and connects to nodes and it requests a bunch of information, just like you would. So if you were doing an initial block download, that's what you're doing too. Connecting to the network and you're getting a bunch of blocks from a different nodes. And you can get them from different nodes to validate that they're the same, but really if they're just cryptographically okay, it's okay. If you're getting to the best node and you're communicating with different nodes, they're all giving you blocks. If your block chain is matching up, it's it's all validated. You know what I mean? You're getting a new node, for a new block from a different node that matches your chain, your chains pretty much gotcha. good. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how the regular do- block download works. So with, the, with, with this, the light clients, it works in a similar way where it's requesting information from various nodes, but it doesn't need to actually get the entire block and all of the information. It's able to request only information that it needs without giving up too much privacy information. Um, so it, it's a mechanism that allows for that. Now Wasabi has included this and a bunch of other um, uh, systems. I think a lot of Litecoin, uh, or not Litecoin, no, Lightning-like clients use this, but they're not able to just communicate with the Bitcoin network because this hasn't been uh, merged into Bitcoin Core yet. So it's been merged into BTCD, which is a Go implementation of Bitcoin. Um, And so what you do, so with Wasabi, for instance, what you do is when you connect with Wasabi, it'll connect to a pool of Wasabi Bitcoin servers, BTCV servers that have this flag enabled and are able to handle these types of messages. But now that this has been merged into Bitcoin Core, at least the flagging for it is, um, this will, you know, be hopefully a lot, you know, upgraded to and a lot more nodes will have this capability, which makes it a lot more decentralized and you're able to really just Ask any node for these headers and and be able to verify stuff on the client side rather than rely
0: Wow, that's really cool. So they they kind of figured out a way for you to act as of course you're not gonna have the full functionality of running a full node, but you're able to basically do the work of a full node but from like a device, you know, I'm sure this is going to happen in the future from like a device like your phone, right? Because yes. it's really so not that much the data. That's idea.
1: And I know that there's some implica- implications with it. Um, I don't know the extent of them, but I know this is, you know, one of the best ways that when you do want something on your phone. And I know that for instance, you know, um, I think that if you limit it to certain types of addresses and certain things, you can even compress that from four gigabytes to, you know, a couple hundred megabytes and things like that that's
0: wild. that's wild, and that's really i really like that man because at the end of the day you know the more the more nodes the more secure right
1: yeah and and you know it's i'm not sure that you're able to contribute so i don't think through um being in this type of you know client you're not able to contribute back to the network so much but you're able to at least use the network as a whole to validate yourself being on yeah, so
0: you're, you're a watcher. You're, you're, you're not like a node in that sense, but you're, you watch. You have your eyes open and you're paying attention to the network.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important. So I, you know, I like work that's being done into the like clients. I think it's important. I think a lot of people try to, um, you know, I'm a big believer in running a full node. I think that it should be, you know, most people that are into Bitcoin should be running a full node, especially this early. People that are into it this early. Run a full node, be a part of the network. I think it's important. But I do think that a lot of people try to kind of discount away like clients because it's not efficient and it's this and that. And it's like, no, we need to put more out there. We need to put more research into it um, because it is an important part of the ecosystem. you are going to have a lot of Isaacs that don't want to run a Bitcoin node or maybe even can't.
0: Exactly. You, you, you understand the practicality of it. You understand that you yourself, like personally, like to you know have full self-sovereignty but you understand that that for most people is not very practical right so you understand that there needs to kind i don't want to say a deal with the devil but there needs to be some compromise uh some type of of middle ground for the masses is that correct to say that yeah
1: and as long as you can protect your privacy and still own your keys and still own your destiny and be able to use multiple clients and, and you know be able to do whatever you want to do i think that's
0: I I like that. Own your destiny. I like that. Um, So uh, another thing I kind of want to back up a little bit. Um, You said you worked in finance, right? So that gave you, uh, that gave you it specifically in a hedge fund. So that kind of gave you in New York too, which is the financial hub of the world or one of them. So that gave you kind of like a unique insight into that world of fiat. Right. And what could you say were your lessons or things that you saw in that world that now as a Bitcoiner, you're you you kind of feel disgusted to you kind of feel like wow this is going to blow up or
1: uh, you know what i mean any of any of those things so it's it's kind of interesting so the way that I, you know i got involved in finance in a very strange way um i wasn't you know i didn't study it also uh i got into it just through being interested in business as a whole you know just entrepreneurship and business and stuff like that um i you know got to know uh, a Young, you know, young, very, very successful uh, fund manager and ex-broker that you know wanted uh, wanted to build a hedge fund and wanted to build a certain type of service. So uh, I told him, you know, I'd come work for him and work for him for free in order to you know get my my bearings, and uh, we went from there. So he was my teacher in a lot of this, and he had a very interesting outlook. He's seen a lot. He got into Wall Street at a very young age, and he made it very big name for himself at a very young age, but he had moral conflicts. Like he did not want to do what some people on wall street were doing to their customers just to make a buck. And the end of the day, I saw it kind of uh, become his demise almost honestly. So I saw all these, you know, fiat tricks that people were doing and, you know, just investing in, in these, Bullshit inflated assets and things just to like pump and just to make a buck and just to figure something out without any actual value to them. And he was much more of a value investor. You know, he was very, you know, big fan of Buffett and his style of investing and things like that. Um and he just it, you know, the greed that he saw around him in Wall Street just got to him, I think. He actually left the business. He's a rabbi.
0: So, so, wow. So it, it really affected. So let me ask you something. Um, and I, and I, and I kind of know the answers to this, but I kind of want to get your, uh, your outlook on it because it would be so interesting to say what I'm thinking. And basically, do you feel like that's a symptom of human greed? Or yeah. do you feel like that's a symptom of the fiat currency itself? And it's, yeah,
1: it's both. I don't know. It's, that's a good question because you know, it's, it it's, Kind of, it takes my it takes me in circles because you know the the fiat system itself I think was built because of greed. So it's like it it goes in a circle kind of, you know. But it, greed is a big part of it. And you know um, I read an interesting book about you know the history of you know. So so my boss at the time was also really obsessed with just Wall Street. He actually lived like across the street from the New York Stock Exchange in dope. Oh wow. Okay. Right on you know it's, that's actually considered Broad Street, Wall Street. So um, he was really obsessed with it. So he had this book. Um, I think it was called something like when money was in fashion and it was just talking about the early times when really bad with time periods and years, but when you know pretty much like some of these really wealthy people in New York would like wear money on their clothes that's just how much money they had they just had a bunch of money and it talked about a little bit of the history of banking and uh, the history of money. and it was really fascinating and you know I think that, That kind of gave me the idea of, you know, something has changed Mm -hmm. uh, with the financial system. And he was, my boss was obsessed with that. He also believed that gold, we were, you know, giving gold stupid value. I don't think he would be a big fan of Bitcoin. I actually never talked to him about it. Um, But he he knew there was a problem with money and, and the fiat system and the way that we just, you know, everything was just like this made up thing. And yeah, mm-hmm. he, uh, he was obsessed with it. So there were a couple, there was a book that I read that that kind of highlighted some of that in the way that the financial system and people used to live like before you know, the Britain Woods standard and, and all that broke down and everything. And it seemed like people just kept a lot of more of their money and gold in like safes. And in you know, they, they paid bankers to like take care of their money for them things like that. And it was an interesting time. It was different than today. You know, today it's like, no, we just need these, uh, you know, people are living month to month and all this stuff where it's like you had a, it was a different view of money. And I don't think I realized that the way that inflation really um, took a hold of it. You know what I mean? I I didn't really connect them together. These, These books, I don't think we're looking at it from that perspective. It took me a while.
0: It's crazy because it's crazy because it's a very new, you know what? It's not new, but it's new for our lifetimes where Bitcoin basically rewards you for saving. So it's made a lot of people into savers. And that actually is just a a much better way of living because what happens with fiat is that you kind of have to rely on, you either have to rely on your own and play you know, the, the the stock game yourself, or you have to rely on a financial advisor who's a so-called expert, which they're not. They don't know where that shit's going just as much as you don't. And that kind of overblow, overcre- it makes the financial industry much, much larger than it fucking needs to be.
1: Yeah, and, you know, not to mention that even if you do, so this is, this is my biggest conflict. And I think, you know, this is what my ex-boss was seeing in Wall Street. Now, he's a value investor, so he wants to invest in companies that could could you
0: could you define what that is for people that don't know?
1: So a valued investor is someone that looks for companies that he thinks, you know, that they think are grossly undervalued. So the market okay. is not appreciating their value. And usually he tries to, you know, like I said before, take the Warren Buffett look at it. And the way that you know they kind of think of things is if I were to try to like step in and run this company tomorrow do I understand what really makes the company tick? And if the answer is no, probably shouldn't invest in. And that was kind of his thing. So those are the type of companies that he would invest in. And that was uh, one thing that I helped him a lot with because he wasn't uh, as much into technology. So I would help him a lot with technology research. So the companies that we were involved in that were technology um, companies, I would spend a lot of time trying to research and explain to him in layman's terms where, where they were going, where their business should go, where, you know, what we think. Um, so that was the kind of investments that he was making. And I think that, you know, this was, so I started working for him right immediately after the 2008 crisis. Damn. Uh, so he had lost a lot of fucking money. He lost a lot of clients. Um, he was the very few people on wall street. So I met a lot of people in wall street over the years working for him. Um, and he was the only one that I really met that was like, all in on the same stuff that his clients were. So when his clients lost a ton of money, so did he.
0: So he had he, he had actual skin in the
1: game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean this this guy, you know, I don't really know what his net worth was like before exactly, but I know it was in the tens of millions, maybe approaching a hundred million or so. And he was young. He was, you know, he was only, you know, three or four years older than me. So at the time, you know, he was, you know, I was in my early 20s. He was like in his late 20s and, you know, starting to be in his early 30s. Um, So he made a lot of money and he lost like 80% of it, you know, just like everybody else did. You know, he he was, and he had actually like, you know, particularly terrible loss because there was a a company that he was invested in. that was like a foods company and they had some sort of um, error in their accounting software of sorts that allowed a bunch of their food to go bad. Dude, so, so that let me get hit this right straight. before. Hold on.
0: Let me get this straight. Crisis. This dude lost 80% of his money during the financial crisis, and he still doesn't like Bitcoin?
1: Uh, so, okay. So I don't really know what he would think. See, I think that he wouldn't like Bitcoin because of his thoughts on gold, because he doesn't, you know, he oh, would say like... Sp-
0: speaking of value investors in gold, did you see that Warren Buffett bought gold?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a very interesting sign. That, and you know what? I I know a lot of us, like, you know, Bitcoiners like to discount gold. I don't really own, I don't own any gold, actually. Not really. I don't own any gold. Um, I, I, I don't think, I, but I don't think that we should discount it completely the way that we do, because it's the same type of thing that Bitcoin is. It's just harder to validate, harder to this, harder to that. But it's, you know, it's the same type of hedge, so to speak, because, you know, his whole thing, you know, my ex-boss wrote a couple of articles actually about Gold and the Federal Reserve and all this shit. And his whole thing is like, you, you can't, you know, everyone thinks that gold is the backing. And, and his whole thing is, I, I think the old timers think that you're going to actually shave little slivers of gold and trade when everything blows up. And he's like, that's not, you can't really use gold for that. And like, so maybe he would like Bitcoin a little bit more. But I know that he would, in the back of his head, he would be like, this is just a computer algorithm. How, you know, how can we protect against so does, does he, he wouldn't get it as, he, as, as much? Yeah,
0: I understand. So does he feel that gold is like the same thing as what Warren Buffett says, where it doesn't produce any income, it's not an income producing asset. So that's why he doesn't like it. Is yeah. that the reason? Yeah. Like, it's just, well, it's not
1: useful. Like even like, you know, so he would talk to people about this. This is the thing, like, you know, he was, he was very uh, into the community and the investment community. He would talk to people about it and people would have these different arguments about why gold is valuable. Because he would ask them, you know, why is it valuable? Like, oh, you know, it stores value. Okay, so why does it store value? Well, you know, if the financial system was to go up, you know, we could use it to back, you know, like, well, how would you use it? Or what makes it valuable? Why would you use that versus something else? Like, why not use diamonds? Or why not use, like, why is gold the de facto? Why exactly. are we going like why to are we, Why are we picking this shiny metal? And, and you know, he was also very, like, a contrarian. So he would always try to, like, you know, challenge people's, you know, logic. Okay, and, That's and, good. And, that's, a, that's a healthy so way of being. Oh, um, so that was his kind of thing about it. He was like, you know, you, you know, we only use it for what, like 0.001% of it is used for jewelry? Like people would sometimes say, oh, it's you know, valuable, it's nice, it's used for jewelry. Like, no, that's it, it has no use other than storing monetary value. So okay. I think that was his like point of it.
0: I got you. So let me ask you something else because it's clear that Bitcoin has a, a like an upper hand on gold in the sense that it's also a payment network, right? Yeah. So, uh, but it also, it's also capped. Bitcoin's a very weird beast, but it also has some limitations in the sense that right now it's current, uh, it's current, you know, transactions per second is really not that high. Um, And there are some, some, some proposals to fix this, right? Um, Which is Liquid and the Lightning Network. They're very interesting. And I wanted to get, the perspective of a developer of what you
1: thought about the Lightning Network. So the Lightning Network fascinated me the first time I ever heard of it. About
0: so it. Wait, before I get into that, sorry for interrupting you so much. I Could you explain, cause I, I, I like for me, I, I understand it, but it, it took me a while to understand it. So could you explain it to everybody who's watching or listening? What the hell is the Lightning Network? How does it work? And how's it gonna make Bitcoin better?
1: So on a very basic um, level, Bitcoin allows for this you know the idea of what's known as a payment channel and the payment channel uh, what it is is a two of two um, wallet signature wallet that uh, two people can share so let's say you and I both put half a Bitcoin each into this payment channel and we both you know it's a two of two so we both have to sign it in order for it to be valid so we just put you know a, a, a you know, we just built this uh, payment channel, so you put in a half and I put in a half and we signed it into this shared law. Okay, cool. So now what the Lightning Network allows you to do is it allows you to, um, to use this payment channel so you and I can transact offline, right, um, and not submit anything to the Bitcoin network and still trust each other fairly you know well trustlessly fairly because you know i'm signing the transaction you're signing the transaction and they, they have this concept of uh, time locks and things like that to help facilitate so that you know things you know happen in time and things like that i won't really get into that but that's the concept is you and i can transact offline now the beauty of that is we can turn this into a network and that's kind of what the lightning network does because payment channels existed before the lightning network so The Lightning Network says, all right, you and I have a channel that has the capacity of one Bitcoin because it's half and one me and, you know, you and I both have each half. Um, And then you can have a payment channel with someone else and they can have a payment channel with someone else. Now, if all of the channel capacity matches a certain amount, I can send offline completely technically or off the the main chain um, a, a transaction to the person that is not even connected directly to me. So I send you, I tell you, okay, hey, I want to transact with so-and-so and and I want to send them 0.2 Bitcoin. And I have a balance of 0.5 Bitcoin with you. So you're like, okay, cool. Let's sign this and I send you 0.2 Bitcoin. So now you own 0.7 and I own 0.3 of that channel. And then you move it on to the next person. You say, hey, this person wants to send, I want to send it to this person. And you do the same thing until it reaches the final uh, person. So I was able to send you point two and you sent it to someone else and they sent it to someone else all not hitting the blockchain at all because we have these payment channels. And this money can come back to me. Let's say, you know, someone else that's connected to you has to pay me two point and it rebalances itself, so to speak. So that's kind of the idea of the the Lightning Network. And then when we are ready to settle and like, hey, you and I don't do business anymore. Like we're not, there's no reason for me to send payments to you. Let me open a channel with someone else then we settle on the blockchain then we we say we take the the latest transaction that you and i both signed and we actually broadcast that to the blockchain
0: gotcha so that's really cool because it's it's just like opening a bar tab man it's like you go to a bar and the guy's like can i open a tab and you're like yeah and then you order drinks the whole night but that it's only till the end of the night when you're leaving right which is the equivalent of closing the channel that you settle the bill right you add up all the amounts and then you check out. So that's really cool. And what does that enable to, what does that, what does settling off chain enable?
1: So really you don't need to settle off chain. The only time you need to settle off chain is if there's a dispute.
0: No, no, I apologize. What does, what does doing all these transactions off chain enable?
1: Um, higher throughput. So none of these have to hit the blockchain. The only transactions that are hitting the blockchain is when we are opening these network, these, uh, these channels. At the so end. now, I can transact endlessly without even, you know, affecting any, and it's also, you know, less fees. So there are fees in this network, sometimes zero fees, depending on, you know, how you're routing, and who you're routing through. If you're, if you, you can create a small network of uh, nodes that, you know, you're all friends and whatever, and you can transact between each other with zero. Um, and there's certain paths that you can take where the fees are really, really low. But, so... They're how much would, lower than going on chain because there's absolutely there's a lot
0: of so. How would you recommend if someone was just getting into Bitcoin and, and they saw they found Lightning interesting? How wh- where would you tell them to get started?
1: Light. So if they found Lightning particularly interesting, um, I would probably recommend. I mean, it depends. You know, do they want to run a full node? Um, you know, if the answer is yes, then there are some interesting, you know, setups like, you know, like my node which has lightning uh, built into it. And there's a couple uh, else like it. But if they, let's say they don't want to get it that deep into it and they don't have the hardware and they don't want to, uh, they could use something like Zap. I think Zap is really interesting. And Zap works with a full node as well. Or it uses uh, this the similar, it uses like a neutrino wallet, which uses those uh, client filters that we were talking about to download the, the blockchain and interact with the lightning daemon the same way that it could with the, the regular Bitcoin, the lightning demon i love that
0: it's so weird how it's spelled as like Damien, you know <laughs> Damien, Damien. they should just, change it, to, it should it just change it to demon i don't know why it's, yeah, it's that's story. how i
1: pronounce it. i don't know how you actually pronounce it that's how i've always pronounced it i don't
0: know um so uh yeah man uh so what are your thoughts what do you think i like you know that i feel strongly about this because we've talked about this on air what how do you feel the future of Lightning is gonna be? Like wh- wh- what like five years from now, do you see everyone just using the Lightning Network for everyday transactions? Like, where do you see this going?
1: I don't know, man. It's hard because like so when I first heard of the Lightning Network and you know, in the excitement of 2017 and everything, I yeah, I was like, man, you know, five years from now, everyone's just gonna be making these contactless payments with just Lightning instead of Apple Pay or whatever. I don't even know if Apple Pay was around that. But instead of whatever Google Pay was definitely around, instead of whatever you know, Samsung Google Pay, you would just use Lightning. But now it's I, I, it's tough. I kind of understand, you know, like Mr. Hodel's uh, mentality of, you know, why are you spending this? This it's gonna it's going up in in value. Why would you even spend this right now? Yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it would depend. It, you know, if we start getting paid in in you know Bitcoin, maybe. No,
0: but not so much for everyday transactions, right? Like, obviously, right, Bitcoin's right now in this phase where it still needs to reach the stars before it becomes, you know, what we all hope as Bitcoiners, and if you're not a Bitcoin, you're going to think what I'm saying is crazy, but we all think it's going to reach the global reserve status currency, right? Like, kind of like the backup of of, 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 of the evil fiat money, um, or the, the backbone, I don't know, man, whatever, I'm just talking shit. But... um In the sense that you know how people use the, I'd say like 30 40% of all the Bitcoin transactions are are exchanged to exchange, right?
1: Like, do you feel like that could be replaced by Lightning at all? I hope so. I want it to. I would, you know, I would, I would like to see a world like that. I don't know though. I think people are not, you know, even Bitcoiners, I I use that, you know, the air quotes, but even Bitcoiners, um, some of them are not really Bitcoiners for, you know, they're all Bitcoiners for different reasons. And some of them are actually, you know, just Bitcoiners for the idea that the value of it is going to go up and they don't really have a worry about, you know, Transact, uh, transact. Stealing their money or something like that, you know, or like you know, blocking them or governments blocking them. And like some, then, some, some of them don't worry about that.
0: That's the awesome part about Bitcoin is because it really does mean different things to different people and different moments of time, right? And that's, it's so interesting. And it's like a beacon of hope, right? Because fiat doesn't do that. Fiat makes you depressed as shit, you know, but Bitcoin just makes you hopeful.
1: You know, it's, I, and, you know, me personally also, my mind has changed a lot as to, Financial system, you know, I used to be the believer, and you know, I still want to be the believer that you know it, you should invest as much in stocks, and you should invest as much in you know, more so than Bitcoin, more so than savings, because Bitcoin is more of a savings technology, you know, de- you know. But you should invest in companies and stocks, like that's that's you know, beauty of America and the beauty of you know everything. That's what I thought the st- financial system was, but the problem is, is these companies are trapped in the fiat system themselves, and they're trapped in you know in just a toxic system so to speak where absolutely toxic debt and toxic VC stuff and valuations are crazy. Valuations don't make sense anymore.
0: They're so overhyped, man. The stock market right now, where the, 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 the Nasdaq's already at all time high, which, and uh, the SMP dude, it's about to break all time high. It's it literally got to where we crashed with the beginning of, of, of the coronavirus. Um, And dude, it's literally about to fucking catch up to that. What has
1: like really blown my mind the most with all the coronavirus stuff that's happened is I see people that used to be like very like conservative when it comes to financial stuff and like, you know, the government printing money and all this stuff and conservative valuations of companies and they've thrown all of that out the window. They're like, screw it. This is going full force right now. The market is not even you know, you shouldn't look at the stock price as far as, you know, what this company is doing. You should look at the stock price as far as like how much money can this company just like bring in from the government or, 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 or just hype themselves up in a way that they can become either too big to fail or too darling to fail or whatever the hell it is. Like there's no real fundamentals in the market right now.
0: There's none. Do you think all of this will end in disaster?
1: I don't know. Uh, they've, you know, the the fiat system and the Federal Reserve has been really good at fooling the people into making everyone, you know, ev- making everything okay. Like you would have thought that with the money printing that we did with the original financial crisis, we would have seen some inflation, we would have seen something, nothing. Um, you know, even right now, as we're doing what we're doing, we're starting to see what we think may be inflation with the stock valuations. Like that's what some people, you know, are saying, but we're really seeing nothing and I, I don't know. I don't know if the rest of the world is ready to punish us in the fiat system because that's really what it'll take. Yeah,
0: because what we're doing is we're outsourcing our debt and as long as people find treasury bills, good investments, it, we're just going to keep doing this forever, yeah, it looks it's, like. It's,
1: it's, it's, the, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's literally it's such, a of scheme. Of a it's scheme. such a Ponzi scheme. It's such a Ponzi scheme. As long as you know, everyone is cool with it, it's gonna con- going to continue to go. And unfortunately, I think that everyone is continuing to be cool with it so i don't know if this collapse you know there's there's some sort of collapse once every 10 15 years like that just happens so i don't so know Do if you this think we're
0: overdue do you think we're overdue
1: i think we're, we're we're in one right now but we're you know we're artificially
0: <laughs> dude stopping. listen we were in the track to be in one and then the federal reserve just gave us a sh- giant shot of adrenaline and that's what the that's what the market's I'm, doing right now, bro. It's crazy. I'm interested
1: in seeing what's going to happen like six, eight months down the line. Okay. Okay. I, I, I don't know because I don't know what the government and the Federal Reserve will, you know, try to pull at that time to save things. Because we know now from 2008 onward, we know that that's their thing. It's like, let's prevent disaster, like at any cost. So we don't yeah. even care yeah. what, the, what the the Long-term consequence. Yeah, we don't It's care. like, let's just, you know, prevent disaster. Um, so I don't know if they'll let things – I don't know how that plays out. But I know in six to eight months, like, we're starting to see it right now. The the, the idea now allowed and, and evictions are allowed. They weren't allowed in many states for, for quite some time. Um, unemployment is not where it was. At, it's very low with all of this. But at the same time, you know, there's all the benefits that people are getting. There's all the benefits that businesses are getting, the EIDL loans, the PPI loans. You know, all of that stuff is – propping up the economy. And I don't know when that's going to actually hit reality of, all right, we're
0: so do you think that like, speaking of six to eight months from now, um, what do you, what do you
1: think's going to happen? So I think a, a couple of things like, so I think psychologically, first of all, like, I think it's interesting with this virus because like right now we're not in flu season. So when we go into flu season, Things are going to be interested, interesting when it comes to the coronavirus in general because you're going to have people that have the flu and think they have coronavirus or have coronavirus and think they have the flu so either way it's going to compound the mania and what's going on right now so it's going to compound the hospital visits and it's going to come for the compound you know shutting down in certain you know you know miami-dade is going to be one of those places probably that's going to have to shut down again just because we have oh a my large God. population of craziness Um, New York might have to do, I don't know what they'll have to do. They're gonna have to think of something during that season. It's going to be, I think at least, you know, I'm not an expert in that, but I, I'm looking towards that and I'm just like, shit, we're not in flu season and flu is its own, you know, thing that happens. And so I think that's going to, that's going to trigger something. So that's one thing that's going to happen down the road. That's going to be interesting. And then I think, I think things are going to just start catching up to themselves. I don't think businesses are going to you know a lot of businesses are just not going to recover i think yeah. they were inflated to begin with and now with this happening they're they're just they're not going to really able to you know to truly recover i also think that certain companies had a problem with overemployment before this i think they were getting a lot of benefits from the government for employing more people tax breaks and things like that so it was okay for big big companies to just employ a lot of people um i so, think that
0: Let's 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 cause we're we're almost um, we're we're almost there, but let's end on a more positive note, okay. right? Um let's get into price speculation territory and this always <laughs> makes everybody feel uncomfortable, <laughs> but I ask it anyway. So what is your price target for the end of twenty twenty? Hmm? That's
1: hard. So I don't like to speculate on price. That's why
0: played. that's why that's what everyone says um, and you have I to do it anyway. What
1: I'm hoping for. What okay. I'm hoping for is slow and steady gains of, you know. You know, three to six percent gains and some dips in between. Okay. And I think that'll take us to, you know, a nice 20,000 maybe. 20K, 20K end of the year. That. Me but too. But it could go back, you know, it could, it be to, it could, it go, to could go to four or five.
0: Like, who exactly, exactly. Who cares? As long as you stack yeah. every day.
1: Who yeah. goes to four, five, four or five? A stack sats.
0: No one, you know, it's all good. But so what about the end of 2021? What's your price target?
1: Again, I think if it'll just keep going slow and steady. I mean, but it really depends on the madness of the world and I, I can't predict any of that.
0: Do you, do you see the face melting gains of 2017 happening again?
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. Sometimes I'll be honest with you and I'm going I I'll, I get a lot of flack for saying this type of shit from hardcore bitcoiners, but sometimes I feel like a lot of people in the space right now are chasing that's what they're chasing. Mm-hmm. It's like we want that to happen but maybe that's not the way that this is going to happen you know maybe you know a hundred thousand and you know million like people are looking for this to get to are way 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 down the road so I, I don't know um, okay. I think that it's realistic to think that we'll get to you know 20 grand towards you know end of the year beginning of next year um, I think it's realistic to say we'll get towards maybe 40. Fifty grand by the end of the next year, like you know, I think it's those are realistic goals for the asset to um, to get to. Could it go to like stock to flow, you know, type of, of uh, numbers? Yeah, it could. It, it definitely could.
0: Okay, so you're taking a more conservative approach. I got you, because you don't wanna you don't wanna spoil the surprise. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know I, I'll be happy with with either you know I'll be happy with a conservative approach. It's still. The best that you can get out of any asset without gambling, you know. It, to me, stop trading, like day trading, in a lot of respects, especially in this market, and you know, trading alts, like like to a lot of people, that's just gambling. So Absolutely. it's like, yeah, you might make a ton of money doing
0: that. Yeah that's gambling and this is like a sure thing dude awesome bro thank you so much for your input um guys thank you so much for watching another episode of the Bitvault vault podcast if you want to find out more about lee ron and what his thoughts are go follow him on twitter of course i'm going to put down the link in the description guys don't forget to like and subscribe and i'll see you in the next one